And I am just so very thankful for the opportunity we have this morning to open up God's Word, to gather together under this singular theme that Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, is no longer in the grave, but He is risen just as He said He would do. And I'm going to ask and invite you to open your Bibles to Luke 24. And whether you find yourself in the room or for those that are watching online, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to follow along either in your Bible or on the screen that are provided. Luke 24 tells a story that often we don't hear about on Easter. We focus our attention, and rightly so, to the garden, to the empty tomb. We, we, we focus in on those first encounters with the risen Savior and Lord, with Mary and, and Jesus' mother and the closest of disciples who were in the upper room. We talk about that, Thomas, who doubted but then believed. All of these conversations and things are awesome opportunities for us to see the risen Savior and Lord at work. But this morning, I want to focus in on Luke 24 that tells a story about two disciples who are leaving Jerusalem on that Easter Sunday, probably about the time we're at right now, later in the morning, after all of the events had transpired, they were heading home. But before we get into the text, would you uh, join me for a word of prayer this morning? Let's bow in prayer together. Father God, we come before you and we are so very thankful for what you've already done. I thank you for our worship team and all those who have made this day possible, creating an awesome environment and opportunity for us to focus our time and attention on this truth that you are the risen Savior and Lord. And what that means, Lord, is that everything you've said, everything you've done, Everything that you've told us to hope in is absolutely true. So I pray, Lord, wherever these individuals may find themselves, whether here in the room or online, that they would come to this conclusion. Wherever they find themselves on their road of life, that they would find you and invite you in to their life. Lord, as we learn from this incredible interaction that you had with two disciples, I pray, Lord, that we too would be uh, confronted by the fact that you are not in the grave, but you have risen from the grave just as you said. I pray now that you would teach us and transform us by your truth. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Well, this morning we are going to go on a journey. The text in Luke chapter 24 says that these two men were on their way home on a road to Emmaus. Roads are things that we travel each and every day. You traveled roads today to get here. We call roads different things. We call them streets and avenues. We call them alleyways. Uh, Our bigger streets we call highways and interstates. But all these streets do is move us from point A to point B. They take us from where we were and they take us to where we are going. Some roads we know like the back of our hand. And the reason why is we travel them each and every day. Whether it's our commute to work, our commute to school, uh, whether it's to our parents' house or to our friend's house, we know every turn, we know every curve, we know every speed limit along the way. And for matter of fact, it kind of can become boring and rote. We, We stop observing, we stop seeing the things, we stop experiencing the journey. But there are roads... There are streets, 
there are pathways that are so remarkable for different reasons that we stop and we take them in. We experience them. I did some research this last week in preparing for this message, and I asked the question, what are some of the most famous of roadways? And the first one that came up was Route 66. How many have driven Route 66 before from Chicago to Santa Monica? This is the mother of all roads. This is a road that uh, that would give you the American experience. It is on this roadway that you could uh, travel back into yesteryear, into the golden age, if you will, of cars and and highways, where you would visit drive-ins and diners and, yes, even dives, where you would be able to experience the nostalgia of Americana, that you would be able to experience what it was like back in the day when there were no interstates. In the days, as cars would remind us, when Radiator Springs was booming. Route 66 is a highway that many of us will never forget in our time there. Now, sadly, because of our interstates, Route 66 has seen its best days already. And we move on. But there's another road that I think that's important, and that's US-1, the Pacific Coast Highway. How many have driven that roadway before? I, I will tell you... You don't want to drive that. You want to be the passenger on that road. I drove it with my wife and my my three kids and and my wife enjoying it, the boys enjoying everything. All I did was get yelled at because every time I tried to look at what they were pointing out, I would just slightly go into the gravel and I'd hear, get back on the road. And I'm like, but I want to see what you're seeing. So if you're going to do this, make sure you're in the passenger seat Because the coastline, the mountains, the beauty of all that you have, the Pacific on one side, the the glorious Rocky Mountains on the other side, and the curves and the twists, it's a beautiful thing. It is a memorable drive. Then there's other drives that are shorter. How many have been on Lombard Street in San Francisco? Only a couple blocks long, but it is known as the crookedest street in all of the world. It doesn't have much going for it other than you have to traverse manners of curves all along that two-block way. People flock to this place because of its attributes and its characteristics. It's unlike any roadway or street that you will ever drive. And then there's other streets that are really, to be quite honest with you, not much more than what our streets are here. Route 47 and Galena Boulevard. Uh, There's streets that don't seem any different, but it's what's alongside the street or it's who is on the street that you want to see. This is Rodeo Drive in California. And that street isn't really much. How many have driven Rodeo Drive before? And Rodeo Drive, you're there not because of the street. You're there because who you might see on the street. That Hollywood actress or actor, that celebrity. Or you want to go and you want to shop. And really, let's be honest, you want to walk around the shops of the most pricey stores in all of our country. And hoping to get a glimpse of, of that favorite celebrity along the way. And still other roadways, probably the most iconic of all roadways, in fact the most photographed and the most used in our films and movies is Monument Valley Highway. And this one is known not because a lot of people have have, have driven it. There's not really a reason to travel this road, but it is for this iconic view. 
this picture. The roadway isn't all that glamorous. It's, it's pretty straight shot as you can see, but it's the landscapes and it's putting yourself back into those famous movies and moments in film that people drive this road. Now let's be honest. Roadways, all of these, are made with similar material. Asphalt, concrete, brick. All of them are made with hard structures, things that we use in everyday life. All of them are standard in their width and and ability to take cars. So what is it that makes a road a road? It is what you experience while on it. Roads are all the same in a lot of ways. It's but what you experience while on that roadway that makes something mundane or memorable. In Luke chapter 24, we are told the story of two disciples who are walking on a road. The road is from Jerusalem to Emmaus. That would have been a seven-mile journey. It would have taken you and I probably, based on the topography, about four and a half hours to traverse. Uh, So these guys are walking from the capital city of Jerusalem to this suburban town of Emmaus. Now the text tells us these two guys, one's name is Cleopas, the other is unnamed, that they're followers of Jesus Christ. It seems as if they were distant followers of Jesus Christ because they really don't know what Jesus looks like and, and they're not sure that even when they're talking with Jesus later in the story, that it's Him. And yet in their journey, this journey that the Bible doesn't speak about anything of the road, what it was made of, it doesn't speak of what's going on alongside the road, it's what happened while they were on the road that makes the Emmaus Road, listen, probably one of the most well-known and popular roads in all of the Bible. And it's where they meet Jesus. You and I are on a road. We are on a path. The Bible says that this life is a roadway that leads to one of two destinations. And what we need to do to determine what destination we are going to find ourselves at, at the end of this life, is based on the question, have I met Jesus as I've walked this road? Have I met Jesus? Have I experienced Jesus? Have I talked with Jesus along the way? These two disciples are going to leave Jerusalem with one thought in mind, And Jesus, in appearing to them, is going to change their mind and change their lives forever. Here's how the story goes. You can follow along on the screen or in the Bible that maybe you've brought today. It says the following, starting in verse 13. That very day, that is Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles uh, from Jerusalem. And these two were talking with each other about all the things that had happened While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. And Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And notice what the end of verse 17 says. And these two men stood still, looking sad. They stood looking at Jesus, who they saw as a stranger, and their sense, their feeling was one of immense sadness. Now we know from the text that the reason why they are sad is because they were talking, verse 14, and discussing all the things that had happened. They had been in Jerusalem. 
And there's question on when they arrived in Jerusalem. Were they there for Palm Sunday for the great parade of, of Jesus being ushered into Jerusalem, being proclaimed as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Were they there uh, when Jesus uh, would be arrested? Were they there when Jesus uh, would uh, be presented before a crowd of people and instead of hearing Hosanna in the highest, they proclaim crucify Him? Were they there and did they experience Jesus being beaten and abused? Did they see Jesus with a crown of thorns? Did they see Jesus walking uh, barely as an image of a man because he had been beaten to an inch of his life carrying that cross? Did they see Jesus drop that cross and Simon of Cyrene being commissioned to pick up that cross and carry it to the place where he would be crucified? Did they see Jesus hanging on that cross? Did they see the nails in his hands and in his feet? Did they see Jesus be mocked and reviled by the soldiers as he hung suffocating on the cross of Calvary? Did they see the spear go into his side? Did they see the blood and water flow from Jesus' body? Did they hear Jesus cry out the giving of his spirit and the end of his life? Did they see Jesus' body coming off that cross, being wrapped in burial cloths and taken away to a grave so he could be buried? They hung around during all of that. That's what had happened that weekend. And the text says these followers of Jesus were sad. They were sad. On this road, they found themselves in a place of great disappointment. And this leads to our first question this morning, because we too are on a road, we too are on a journey, and the question we have to ask is, am I on a road, are we on a road that is only bringing disappointment? Why were they disappointed? Because they went to Jerusalem believing that Jesus was going to accomplish exactly what he said he was going to do. He was a man that had done mighty things, marvelous things, miraculous things. This Jesus had said he was going to overthrow the kingdom. He was going to upend tyranny. He was going to set the captive free, give sight to the blind, and raise the dead. And now here, three days after his death, he's still dead. And though there's word that his body may be gone from the grave, nobody has seen him. At least these two disciples hadn't. And so they had put all their faith, all of their hope, all of their trust in this Jesus. And Jesus had let them down. It would be synonymous, if you will, to the sorrow of rooting for your team. Backing your team for an entire season. Believing everything, all the press of your favorite team. Only in the championship game to lay a dud. And to leave that stadium. To leave the excitement of what you thought would be only to leave devastated. Some of you this morning have come into this place and you have expected life to look different. And you thought that that person that you fell in love with, you thought that that job that you had gotten, you thought that promotion you had received, you thought that car or that home or or that kid or, or whatever it is in the world was going to bring you it. Only to have you be disappointed. Only for you to have your hopes rise up to be squashed, to be squelched. These guys know what it's like to have their dreams dashed away. And some of us this morning have come with dashed dreams and hopes that were expected 
only to be thrown away. I cannot extend to you the deep sadness that these men must have had. They were hoping for everything and in their mind got nothing in return. And so what happens? They walk away sad and and this man comes into their life. A man approaches them and notice Jesus himself drew near to them, but their eyes couldn't see it and they sat there, stood there looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered Jesus because they've asked the question Jesus has, what are you talking about? And Cleopas answers, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And the guy, even though he's talking to Jesus, says, this guy, he's clueless. How how could you miss it? All of Jerusalem is talking about these things. And he starts telling the Jesus story that he knew in that moment. And he says this, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Even some of us uh, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So here are the guys. Their hopes are dashed, their dreams are destroyed, and this stranger Jesus, unbeknownst to them, asks the question, what have you been a part of? And they tell the story. They tell the story as they know of Jesus. Jesus, who started out so well, now has petered out. Jesus, who had such a bright future for Israel and for the people of God, now is dead. And what the guys begin to do is, as they're walking this road... They recognized that the road that Jesus had them on was a dead end. No doubt you have some point found yourself in a dead end. And what it means is you've got to turn around. What it means is you've got to find a different path, a different way. These guys were heading home, not thinking, how can we bring the life of Jesus back to Emmaus? I want you to know what they were thinking was, what do we do now that Jesus is dead? What are we going to invest our time in, our money, our energy? Where are we going to turn for the spiritual answers that we are looking for? They're looking for a different road. They're looking for a different person. That's what disappointment and discouragement brings us. When we are let down on the roads that we find ourselves on, we say, okay, it's not the person, so maybe I'll find it in a possession. Maybe it's not in the possession, so I'll find it in pleasure. Maybe it's not pleasure, so I'll find it in prestige. And and we find all of these detours, all of which at the end of each and every one of them are dead ends. They lead us nowhere. Last fall, as a church, we studied the book of Ecclesiastes where King Solomon, as an old man, says, each of these pursuits in this world are meaningless. 
They don't get us where we're wanting to go. And so these men say, Jesus didn't do what he said. Jesus didn't keep up his end of the bargain. And now we're going, we're going to root for another team. We're going to get on another bandwagon because the Jesus we knew, he's done. I want you to notice how they talk about Jesus. First of all, in verse 19, they say of Jesus that he was. Jesus of Nazareth, who was a mighty prophet of God. Notice the past tense. He's not anymore. He was. He used to be, but he's not now. Some of us have consigned Jesus to the past. Easter's great to celebrate because Jesus lived there. That was what he did, but he's not around anymore. Let's be honest. Who rises from the grave? Who comes back to life? Notice in verse 21. Notice the negativity they have. We had hoped... We had hoped, we had put our faith and our trust in this Jesus, but now that hope was gone. That hope had been taken away. Those hopes had been dashed. They weren't going to go back to those hopes. Those those hopes were dead and gone and consigned to the past. Notice it continues on, and it says, and now it's the third day. You see, the disciples of Jesus knew that that third day something was going to happen. Jesus said, I'm going to tear down the temple and in three days I'll build it back up. And he talked about this being him going to the grave and then being raised from the dead. Now the third day is now passing. And even though there's word that Jesus' tomb was empty, they finish and they say, but we didn't see him. Nobody's been able to see him. We've heard about angels We've heard about an empty tomb, but nobody has seen him. And so what begins to happen is, here Jesus is standing right in front of these men, and they don't buy it. This morning, some of you have come here, and I'm so glad you did. But you came, let's be honest, you came not because this was where you wanted to spend your Easter morning. Someone asked you to be here. Maybe mom said, you know, it's Easter Sunday. Can you please come to church on Easter? Please, can you make me happy in that? Maybe a spouse told you, I want all of us to be here. And maybe you're here and maybe you find yourself walking the road of life full of disappointments. But you've come and you've heard about Jesus and you've consigned Jesus to the past. And you're wondering in your mind right now, why are they making such a big deal about a dead man? Why are they making such a big deal about someone in history? There have been great men and women in history, but we don't dedicate a whole service, fill a whole building, sing a whole bunch of songs about that individual. So why do we make such a big deal about this? The reason why is Jesus is standing right in front of you. And He's the risen Savior, and He's the risen Lord. And as you're walking through life, as you're trying to go through these detours, disappointment upon disappointment, Jesus is standing there, and He's saying, you don't know the rest of the story. And Jesus begins to tell the story. Let's follow along in the text. It continues on. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, Slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So that three of them drew near to the village of Emmaus to which they were going. And he acted, Jesus did, as if he was going to keep walking. He was going to go further. But the two others urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening. This is Easter evening, and the day is now far spent. 
So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when they were at the table, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And it's in this moment that those two men's eyes were open and they recognized Jesus. But in that moment, Jesus vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And those two men arose that same hour and made the four and a half hour journey back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven disciples and those who were gathered with them together. And there was word from them that the Lord had risen indeed and had appeared to Simon Peter. It is here in verse 35 that those two men then told the disciples what happened on the road. What they experienced on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of bread. I don't know where you're at on your journey on this road. But what I know is that Jesus wants to walk with you in this journey. And Jesus wants you to know all that He has to say about Himself. All that He wants to declare. That everything that has been written in the Scriptures about Him is true. And that not only is it true, but that He is alive. And He is our Savior. And He is inviting us to walk this journey with Him. And all that it takes is us welcoming Jesus. And these men invite Jesus into their lives. Come and eat with us. And notice, as they invite Jesus into their life, their eyes are opened. They begin to see more and more of the story. And so what I would love for you to do is to invite Jesus into your life. To invite Jesus in, the risen Savior and Lord. It is then and only then, my friends, that you will be on the road that leads you to the right destination. The only road that gets us to God is the road that Jesus is. Jesus would say just a matter of days before this encounter to his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Literally what he's saying is I'm the only road that gets you to God. And I know some of you right now are trying to figure out how to find that life of contentment and hope and joy. And the answer is, you need to walk that road with Jesus. You need to live with Jesus. You need to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, when we invite Him into our lives, He comes into our life, He fellowships with us, He dines with us, and He teaches us all we need to know to walk this road with Him together. It is then and only then, my friends, that we will enter the road that leads us to God. So stop walking this road by yourself. Stop walking this road with half information and invite Jesus into the journey. And as you do, you will see as these men did, the immense joy of coming to realize that Jesus no longer is in the grave, but He has risen just as He said He did. And because of that, everything He says about Himself, everything He says about us, is absolutely, positively right and true. And so, let us give our lives to Jesus. Let us walk with Jesus. And in doing so, that we may experience His goodness and grace every step of the way. If you don't know what that means, if you're not sure how that, uh, how to get that journey with Jesus started, stop by our Welcome Center. We want to tell you more about how you can follow Jesus. It begins with a simple prayer, just saying, Jesus, will you walk with me? 
Jesus, will you talk with me? I, I believe with all my heart you died for me. You were buried for me and you were raised from the grave for me that I might have new life in him. And if you believe that in your heart, the Bible says Jesus will enter into your life and he will be with you forever. So that when you on the day of judgment are standing before God Almighty, you will get to the heaven that you're looking for because God says that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. This is the story of Easter. This is the impact of the risen Savior and Lord. And my prayer is that you will receive it and you will allow Jesus to start walking with you. Amen?